never thought I would be at Princeton because all I knew was a corner. I never thought I would be loved because I didn't. Even when people tried to love me, I didn't want to love myself. And I'm just glad to be alive. And as kids, from all those kids I talked about, if we'll just see them and love them and let them participate and walk with them even when they don't want anybody to deal with them, imagine what our communities and our world would be like. Welcome to the Missing Voices podcast. I'm your co-host, Caitlin Posey, and this podcast is all about youth ministry, young people on the margins of society and the church, and how we might better love, serve, and learn from those young people. We're convinced that these often overlooked or forgotten adolescents belong in the church and that our youth ministry should take them seriously. So with each episode, we'll take a look at these ideas and together wrestle with what the future of youth ministry might just look like. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Today, I am thrilled to introduce Reverend Kermit Moss from Princeton Theological Seminary. Kermit is on the podcast today, coming at you from our 2020 Youth Ministry Forum back in February before the coronavirus took over. And we snuck this event in just before then, but Kermit was part of our cohort of TED Talk speakers where he shared stories from the field with the group, just like Megan DeWald and Tyler Fuller. In this episode, you will hear this account, and I cannot stress enough how Kermit is an engaging and wonderful storyteller. These stories are heartbreaking and hopeful and celebratory and full of grief, and they just encompass the human experience so beautifully. And so I'm so excited for you to hear from Kermit today. A little bit about what Kermit does over at Princeton. Kermit is the interim director of the Center for Black Church Studies at Princeton Seminary, where he's also a PhD student in the area of practical theology in the field of Christian education and formation. Kermit is also a pastor out there And for us, what he does at the Missing Voices Project is he's one of our theologians in residence like Megan DeWalt, where he is paired with a couple churches and will help them think critically about what they're doing in youth ministry. So we're happy to have Kermit with us, and we're so grateful to have him on our team. Welcome to the Missing Voices Podcast, everybody. So I'm sitting in my office in Jersey. I'm out of seminary, and now I'm the executive pastor at this 7,000-member church. We have 14 funerals. I'm doing check requests and all this stuff. I'm like, God, why am I doing this? <laughs> this kid walks in my office. He comes in, he's a tall kid. He says, my grandmother said I need to come see you. I don't really know the kid. I definitely don't know the grandmother. I'm sitting there in the suit on. I'm swagged out. I'm looking nice in this church. <laughs> This church where the pastor was the secretary of state of Jersey, a very fluent black church. This kid walks in. I look at the kid, eyes off check requests, pay attention, and see the kid. 
Kid says, I was a vice lord in Chicago. I moved down here and I'm charged with armed robbery. What can you do to help me? Look at the kid. We talk. I share my own story. Go down to our community, our CDC. We're going to hook you up. You're going to make sure you're all right. And I got you. And I'm at court with the kid. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. The kid shows up to Bible study every week, highs off weed, comes in 10 minutes before Bible study every week, brings a friend. Same kid that walks into this affluent black church, me and the kid, the same black church that when I was an intern, my first day, I walk in with a white tee and they say, you need to get saved. I said, no, I'm the intern. No, you still need to get saved, right? <laughs> kid comes in high, take our hats off, ushers and deacons, they bugging and tripping about our appearance. And now all of a sudden, this kid's in Bible study high. Now this kid is taking care of his kid and he's an usher at that church. The same kid who we played a three-on-three basketball tournament at a church, and the kid said, if you foul the rev one more time, I'm going to hurt you. Don't foul the rev. Kid fouled me. The kid went to his car, had his gun, and said, I told you don't foul him again because he loved me like that. Story of these young ladies, 15-year-old, three of them, I passed it in the South Bronx. They were in Webster houses, and they found out about the church would go to church every week, would come to Bible study with old people every week, and would sit in church every week and cry and weep every week because they knew they feel loved there and there was a no judgment zone. Story of this one kid, Dominican kid, and uptown in New York City where I pastor the church, all Dominican neighborhood, kid walks up to me and says, you know, Pastor, I go here my mother, I don't believe any of this crap. I'm an atheist, a hardcore atheist. I don't believe in none of this. I said, that's all right. Sometimes I don't either. <laughs> well, it feels like it. <laughs> that's what you're Like, I'm struggling with my own stuff. <laughs> Kids sit there every week, like, yo, right before I preach, yo, I don't believe in none of this. All right, cool. Sorry. Then I get this message from my elder boy. That's a whole nother story. This kid, he wants to play music in the church. But we don't do that as a church because he's not a Christian. I say, you know what? The kid's going to play and I will go to bat for the kid. If you fire me, you fire me. Let the kid play. So kid plays music every week. I don't believe none of this playing. And we didn't need the kid to play because it was a large church that I pastored, and we had tons of musicians. But I wanted the kid to play because the kid wanted to play. I baptized the kid. Now the kid wants to go to seminary. Kid in the South Bronx visited the church a couple of times, the church I pastored, just a couple of times. Foster kid. They can't find the kid. The community center calls me. They can't find this kid. Pastor, they can't. we can't find this kid. This runaway foster kid shows up at the church and is there at the church because the kid says, I feel safe here. I feel loved here. And even though I only came here a couple of times, I don't want to go back home. Can I just stay here? New Year's Eve service. Bloods and Crips show up to the service. One of the youth pastors from another church is a Crip and still ripping and wearing blue. A youth pastor. And they're ready to bang out at the church on New Year's Eve, 
playing Lecrae. But did we tell him to get out? No. Let's stay there. Let's work it out. It was a great night. But the kid who got G-checked because he said he was a blood and wasn't a blood, then that kid gets murdered at the baseball field, and now I got to come in with like six or 800 kids there, and everybody's angry, and now they say, you, you the young cat, go up there and talk about it. Now I got to go before six or 800 kids who are angry and they're ready to get it in in church and got police all over the place, undercover and cops, and now I got to go up and try to make peace with these kids. And the only thing I can do is say, Jesus loves you. I don't know the answers to this. And all these kids are weeping and crying and saying, I don't know, but I don't want to die. Got this one girl. She's a wrist cutter. At church, I pass. She cuts her wrist. She comes in my office, and I just see the wrist. She's cutting herself. And you got to report, and you do all these things. And she wants to die. And she's Dominican and Irish, and her mother is a Messianic Jewish woman who was married to a black man, and her Irish brother was been in Rikers Island and in prison, and he's a, he's a blood and has been around black people, and he thinks he's me. And what do we do? We say, what, what's your dream? What do you want to do? And because we are saying you can participate, you can make anything you want, and I will show you, and I got your back. And the fact that she can do something in church that she designed is one of the things that keeps her from cutting her wrist. And then I'm, I'm in the UMC church now. That's a whole other story, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I got the middle school right behind the church where my wife passed. We co-passed the middle school right there, right? So we said, you know, what can we do in our space? So we you know we got LGBT students in middle school in our town. And why UMC Church wants to fight? We say, you know, we're going to open up our space for these kids to just have a space space to talk about sexuality and identity in a safe space. And this was their church. And about 15% of the kids in the school would show up to this church every week to talk kids who had never even seen a Bible. But they felt safe and they felt loved. You got this one kid, right? Yo, this kid, right, his mother's beautiful black woman was raped by a white dude. They wanted to get rid of the kid, say, you know what, we can't do this. So, so this old family came in and said, we'll take the kid, we'll adopt the kid, right? So this kid, right, this kid is ferocious, just reads everything, whole shelves of books. Kid's mother, Sunday school teacher, but the kid listened to sermons. And the kids said, these sermons are crap. <laughs> and I don't believe in none of this church stuff. I'm not going. Kid had a 4.0 grade point average, an incredible athlete. This kid, right, kind of a church kid, but can't stand church. This kid's got million-dollar drug dealers in the family, like in-house. And so the streets are real, and the money is real. But they said, but we'll give you money. You can hustle or whatever. But you're so smart, you're going to be our lawyer. This kid who thinks about dying wonders why, why my mother doesn't love me. Why was my father do that to the mother? All this stuff, right? Where was God? Screw God. 
Go to church, screw church. Christians were so mean and nasty. Why do you want God? That kid, that Christians told the kid, why do you want God? You're a hustler, you have nothing. This kid's got 25 years of prison looking at him in the face because the kid was a straight thug out there really about that life. Kids plays college basketball, gets kicked out of college for fighting, saying, I'm going to kill somebody. This kid is real. This kid is gangster. This kid walks into a church. This annoying sister walks into this church. The woman who was in the middle of the service saw the kid. The kid's coming in with Tim's on, flag, and is coming out the pocket. Pants all the way down, says, you stand up, and starts telling this kid stuff that only God would know. Says, come to the front of the altar. The kid comes up there. They pray for the kid. The kid sits there and weeps the whole service. They keep the service going. The kid is just sitting there weeping the whole service. Kid says, gets up. Weeks ago, the kid was in the crack house selling drugs and told his friends that, yo, I feel like I'm supposed to be a preacher. They say, yo, son, you are tripping. You are high off the weed. Kid walks into this church and feels in his heart, I'm supposed to preach. Kid leaves that church, goes to church across the street. The pastor says, I'm going to love you. And the pastor was with this kid three, four days a week, basketball, whatever you name it, loving this kid. That kid is me. All because someone loved me and saw me and cared for me. I never thought I would be at Princeton because all I knew was the corner. I never thought I would be loved because I didn't. Even when people tried to love me, I didn't want to love myself. And I'm just glad to be alive. And as kids, from all those kids I talked about, if we will just see them and love them and let them participate and walk with them even when they don't want anybody to deal with them, imagine what our communities and our world would be like. So those are my stories. And you have your own stories to share. What biases shape the way you view the world? What are your dreams for young people in your community? What are your deepest fears in youth ministry? Spend some time together. We hope you all enjoyed Kermit Moss's Stories from the Field. I remember when Kermit delivered this message back in February. I was sitting in the audience, and when he said the words, that kid is me, I just lost it. I mean, I don't think there was a dry eye in the room, quite frankly. Kermit's story was a testament of God's grace and hand and involvement in our lives and in his life. It was such a beautiful witness to see him standing there sharing that with all of us. And we were so grateful. I was so grateful. If you would like to check out more of Kermit, you can find him at ptsem.edu. He runs the Center for Black Church Studies, so you can find him on the website. He writes some articles. He's got some videos there, and he's just a really wonderful person to connect with. If you would like to check out some more of our work, check out our website, 
at missingvoices.flagler.edu, or you can find us on social media, Flagler College Youth Ministry. Thanks so much for being here, everybody, and we look forward to next time. Take care.